Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. You know, it's the first Sunday of 2024. Is it too late to say Happy New Year? Like, Happy New Year? Feels like it's already been like we're halfway through 2024. I don't know if you've felt that a little bit. Uh, do I have anybody that likes to uh, kick off the year with New Year's resolutions? Anyone? Anyone in the room? Yeah, like no hands are going up. Uh, I think you know where I'm going with this is because most of us fail with New Year's resolutions, right? Like, it's like 90-some percent people failed their New Year's resolution within the first week. And then it's like second week, everybody's like, hey, we're starting over. We're ready for 2025. Here we go. And, uh, you know, we sometimes find ourselves in these moments, New Year resolutions. I'm not a resolution kind of guy. I used to be, though. Uh, Back in 2015... Um, I was mean with a buddy and, and I was discouraged because in 2014, I didn't meet my New Year's resolution, the goals I set. And I mean with my buddy and it's December and I'm like, dude, the new year, 2014, it's mine. I'm going to have it. I'm going to grip it by storm and woo, baby, I'm coming. Blake's going to hit all his goals. My buddy is like, yeah, dude, sure you are. You know, like, woo, go boy, go get him. And and, and he goes, let me just pause you, Blake, because it seems like you're pretty amped up and we haven't even closed out the year and, and, and you're coming into 2014 and, 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 and thinking about, hey, what's, what's next? And, and he goes, what if you just kick off your year? What if you just pray and fast? I said, pray and fast? Like, yeah, add that to my list. I'm going to accomplish that. And he goes, no, 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 no. What if you just pray and fast? He's like, what if you drop the resolutions and you just pray and fast? I was like, huh, it's unique perspective. So I was like, let me pray about it. Let me think about it. So we leave that meeting. I go back and I, I pray. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm just going to do prayer and fast. And in the back of my mind, I'm secretly thinking like, hey, that takes like my list down. Like I can pray and fast. Like doing these other things, I don't know if I'd reach those goals, but I can pray and fast. So that's where I was at. And I call him up. I'm like, hey, I feel like I should pray and fast. And, and, but my question to you, my friend David, I was like, what should I fast? Like I, you know, like I've always known of it. I always practice it in modification, but what should I fast? And he goes, what about meat? I said, you from California? You'll get that in a second. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I'm not giving like vegans in me. Like, uh, like I love them, but I don't trust them. Right. So like me giving up meat, absolutely not. Like that's like on the no, no list. And, and so then I started thinking about it and I was like, all right, maybe I, maybe I should enter into this fasting time, this, this Daniel fast, which is no meats, no sweets, no carbs, and for 21 days. So I was like, I'll slug it out, I'll do it. And, and I did it. And man, God met me in a very real radical way. From that day on, every year I've, I've been from 2015 all the way on to now, I've kicked off my year with the 21 day Daniel fast giving up meat, giving up sweets, and, 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 and it reset, and God's done amazing things in my life. I'm a big proponent of fasting, and I, and I tell people all the time, like, hey, you need to make this a biblical principle in your life. You need to make it a biblical discipline, prayer and fasting. See, I want to encourage you, join us. We have our 21-day prayer and fast. 
coming up. Uh, starting tomorrow, ending on the 28th, and that's a Sunday. And we're going to fast through the Sunday because usually on that last day, man, God can meet you and do things in your life you never would have expected. And so we encourage you, grab one of our orange prayer cards, prayer and fast cards. They're on your way out. They're in your bulletin when you came in. And, and join us in our 21-day impress. We even have a Bible reading plan at the, at the bottom. Through version, you can QR code it. You, you take a picture and you can follow along. And, and we even made the devotional really short. It's like a paragraph short. So it's like, man, this is overwhelming. I don't know how to do this whole prayer and fast thing. Fasting in its most simplistic, basic form is simply abstaining from food so you can focus on godly things. And so I want to invite you to join us because, hey, I'm not a resolution guy. I'm a, hey, let's set the table and expect God to do more daily, weekly, and yearly in our lives. And, and, I, and I believe this. I believe if you prepare the place for God to do what only God can do, he has a way of handling all your goals and all your aspirations and things you're striving to complete. So, hey, if you're in here and you're like, hey, I fail at New Year's resolutions, welcome to the club. It's not about the resolution. It's about, hey, let's prepare a place for God to do something in our lives. So I want to invite you into our faith's 21 days of prayer and fasting. See, the challenge a little bit is a lot of people have misguided views of fasting. One, we think it's for the hardcore Christian individual. We think it's for that person that's like, I mean, they are goody two-shoes to the max. And fasting is not just for them. Even though those people are noble and those people are who we aspire to be and we kind of get wowed because they're so amazing, they're not for the traditionalists where it's, hey, religion and fasting, it is part of what I have to do to earn my way into heaven. We don't believe that you can earn your way to heaven. We believe that Jesus has given us a way to heaven. But then we also see in this day and age common, it's like, it's like hey, intermittent fasting, fasting a new trendy way to lose weight. And a lot of people have misguided views on fasting. Say, I want to encourage you, your view on fasting, despite what you know about it, despite what you don't know about it, is, is healthy for you. In fact, fasting is for everyone. You want to experience God in a more intimate way? Fast. You want God to answer some questions in your life? Fast. You want to have a more deep depth and, and, and depthness in your prayer? Fast. If, if you need healing? fast. If you have some questions that are looming out there and you don't know what to do and you're trying to discern like, and you're trying to figure out what X, Y, and Z, what do you do? I, I, I would encourage you, pray and fast. The greatest catalyst moments in my life have come off the heel of prayer and fasting. And so I'm a big proponent. I told myself whenever I would start leading a, a church, being a pastor, a senior leader, I'm like, hey, one of the disciplines we are going to incorporate into our life of who we are is praying and fasting. So fasting is for everyone. Paul in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he talks about three types of people. First, he talks about the person who is unspiritual. The unspiritual person, you know, fasting is kind of empty for them because they don't really know Jesus, so therefore there's not a point to fast. I want to encourage you, if you want to see God do something in your life, it begins with having a relationship with Jesus, believing that God uh, raised him from the dead, believing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and that God did the miraculous, and because of the work through Jesus on the cross and conquering the grave, you and I can have a relationship with God. It's grace freely given. 
But Paul talks about this in chapter 3, that the unspiritual person doesn't really get it. The unspiritual person uh, is kind of left over here. And then he talks about the spiritual person. The spiritual person is someone who, you know, they, they're living faithfully. They're living in obedience. They're living in a, in a lifestyle in a way that we're striving to be. And they're, they're doing pretty well. And, and, and God's pleased with them. And then Paul talks about in chapter 3, the, the last person, the worldly person. And, and my hope is that you're not a person in here that is kind of stuck in this worldly infancy is what Paul later on describes it in chapter 3, but that a worldly person, hey, they understand the basics of Jesus, but they don't really want to go after the depth of Jesus. And so my hope for you, wherever category maybe you would position yourself in this place, is that you enter into these next 21 days asking God to do more in your life, expecting God to do more in your life, and being ready for God to do more in your life. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, this is where Paul addresses those three types of people. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you about, or I couldn't, as I would talk to you about spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to the world or as though you were infants in Christ. Those are the three people we see. I had to feed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. Are you, and you still aren't ready. Like, that's pretty bold statements that Paul's given to some people who are trying hard. He's basically saying like, hey, you're acting like a little baby, an infant, and we gotta get you from being a baby to being someone that's pleasing and worshiping God. So he says this, and so for you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like the people of the world? So if you're in this place, you feel like God's maybe distant from you. You feel like you're kind of stuck. You feel like you have some questions, some problems, some perils. If you feel stuck, it's time to consider your spiritual diet. So today, I want to give you three reasons why we need to fast as, as it is part of the life of a follower of Jesus. The first one is simply this, fasting frees us. Fasting frees us. Uh, if you've been on the spiritual milk diet where things kind of seem like surface level, you're like, hey, let me just give you some, some tips and tricks and to maybe clue you in if you're on that spiritual milk diet. You're like, yeah, I go to church. I do good. High five. Whew. I, I said hi to the greeters when they walked in. I'm feeling pretty good. I, I did my good deed for the day. That's probably more of the spiritual milk diet. Hey, if you think you're a good moral person and hey, like I'm not as bad as that person, probably on that spiritual milk diet. You're like, hey, yeah, I read the Bible. I mean, my wife reads the Bible. So I'm basically on that spiritual milk diet. Those are some pointers that you might need to take a step back, get a little deeper in your relationship with the Lord, because there's some things that might be gripping you. And your relationship with God might be in this, what I like to call this rinse and repeat trapped cycle. I have a little graphic for us, and, and this is maybe a little indication that you're on that spiritual uh, uh, milk diet. It's first, one, you look at life like this, your relationship with God. I make, a mis- I make a mistake, we call this sin. A lot of times we don't like to go there, but it's sin, it's what separates us from God. And then secondly, I ask God for forgiveness. 
God is a, a mercy and graceful, filled God. And he said, okay, yep. Like, so we pray and then, and then God forgives us and we celebrate that. Like, woo, that's awesome. But then a couple days later go by and guess what happens? You make a mistake again and you go back through your cycle. And your relationship with God is this trap cycle of, okay, I'm just going through. I'm just going through, and I'm just going through. And, and really, you're not in a life-giving relationship. You're just in this cycle of saying, yeah, I believe in a deity, but, you know, what has he done for me? Spiritual milk diet. See, when we understand who sets us free, we enter into this, this mindset and understand that Jesus gives us truth. We are set free by Jesus. Therefore, we can live life freely and not trapped by some of the cravings we have. John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, this is Jesus, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants, descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean? You will be set free. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. No one likes to admit that. But whenever we sin, it's pointing us to something has control over us. In verse 35, a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. We are set free by Jesus. It's our relationship with Jesus that makes us free. But here's the thing. We mentioned it a little bit last week. We are spiritual beings first, and we have a physical body second, our temporal body. And, and if we're honest with ourselves, our physical body has some pretty good grips of cravings in our life, right? Like there's some things that we just have a, a tendency to like dive in because we feel it, we need it, we want it, we gotta have it, and we have these crazy cravings. Like let's talk about food for a little bit, right? Like come on now. Like think of the greatest meal you're about to go have right now. Yeah, like you start to lean in a little bit. Woo -woo, like love it. I love what some people said. You know, when it comes to food cravings and our physical body, I love what Chuck said. He said this, I lost some weight once, but I found it again in the fridge, right? Like, come on, Chuck. Like we can relate. Sandra, she said this, I just want someone to look at me the way I look at food. Like, come on, you get there. Come on now. All right, you know, this is my favorite one. Sally, she, she's into Pilates, and she goes, I thought Pilates meant pie and lattes. You know, like, like come on, Sally, like, that's good, you know? And then, and then uh, this one's probably, like, so true for us right now in our household, uh, because my wife, <laughs> she's pregnant, expecting baby number four. She got some cravings, pregnancy lady, and she's like, if I share my food with you, I love you. So when my boys come over to her plate and she freely gives them food, I'm like, your mama loves you, son, like big time. But we have these cravings, but the cravings aren't just food. We crave emotion fulfillment. We crave sexual fulfillment. We, we, we crave uh, what people think about us. We crave of doing the right thing. We have all these cravings in life. And a way not to be ruled and reigned over by your cravings is to fast. 
Fasting frees you from being uh, uh, tied down, from, from, from being in, in this moment of like, man, I just can't get past. I got to fulfill this addiction. I got to have this substance in my life. And, and, and it helps us to alleviate what really should set us free, and that's Jesus. I mean, Paul, the greatest theologian of all time, he expresses frustrations with trying to do good things. He expresses frustrations with trying to be right. Anybody, uh, you know, like, you know the right thing to do, but still it's really challenging to do the right thing. Have you ever been there? I won't make you raise your hand because everybody will know what's up, but like, like we've all been there. But we can find encouragement in the fact, simply this, that Paul, the greatest theologian that had an encounter with Jesus, known as an apostle, planted church after church, did radical things, spoke and preached Jesus, the gospel, the good news of who he is in Rome, the epicenter of Paul's modern world. Paul says this in Romans chapter 7 about being frustrated with the cravings that he endures with his physical body. He says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That's bold because we live in a day and age where it's like, no, you're a good person. Like you, you just got everything together. No, Paul's saying nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. Paul goes, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I want, don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. See, simply put, when it comes to fasting and how it frees us, fasting makes life less about us and more about God. Fasting helps us to understand that, hey, it's not about what you're controlled by. It's about who is leading your life. Fasting makes life less about us and more about God. Secondly, fasting connects us. Fasting connects us. In Matthew 17 and in Mark chapter 9, we see this story that's often taught about quite a bit when it comes to prayer and fasting. There's this boy, he's demon-possessed, and he's being controlled. His father comes to Jesus, um, and, and he's like, hey, can you deliver my son? Can you help me with the issue going on with my son? Uh, and the disciples are perplexed because the first, the disciples were the ones that were asked to, to release this boy and to have prayer over him and to have this demon expelled from this boy, but the disciples couldn't do it which is kind of crazy because earlier in the text, the disciples were doing some awesome things on behalf of God. Like people were being, uh, uh, demon possession was being exercised. They were seeing miracles, healings were happening. But they come to this particular instance where their prayer was kind of not working and they're trying to figure it out and they're asking why. And this is where we come into this, this story in Matthew 17, verse 17, verse 21. Then Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that, that very hour. Now, I, 
I want us to underline this part because it's important for us. It was kind of when I was kind of prepping this morning, even reading through it, just stuck out to me in verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Now, the disciples, who were a pretty good group of guys, trying to do their best, they come over to Jesus and saying, hey, what we're doing is not really working. They privately go to Jesus and say, dude, I'm falling pretty short right here. Have you ever asked Jesus some of your blind spots in life, some of the things you got going on in life? A lot of us don't like to ask that question. Jesus, like, why am I not measuring up? Jesus, why am I struggling so much? Jesus, why? Because what happens when we ask that why me question, guess who is usually the problem on some things? Us. See, fasting connects us to God versus being connected to things that are lateral. And Jesus had strong language. He calls them faithless and perverse. And in other words, corrupt generation. In verse 20, so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. We just saying nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible for us when we're saying, hey, God, I want to have faith. God, I want to lean in. And in verse 20. One, and this is where Jesus kind of lays down the hammer. He says, however, this kind does not go out except by what? Prayer and fasting. There are some things monumental in your life that cannot be removed unless there's prayer and fasting taking place in your life. That's why I say it's a hu- I'm a huge proponent of it and, and for your need of it in your life. So we see Jesus first kicks off. He says there's two problems. Why couldn't the disciples deliver this young boy? First problem is Jesus says they're faithless. Like, whoa, that's extreme. And then Jesus goes on and says you're perverse. Now keep in mind, this word perverse means you're corrupt, but the disciples are good guys. The disciples are doing some pretty good works for Jesus. And then Jesus says, here are your two problems. You lack faith, and then you're a little bit corrupted. And in other words, you're a little too much still connected to the world. What do you mean? And, And then Jesus goes on, let me give you two solutions. It's prayer and it's fasting. See, fasting disconnects us from worldly things and connects us to God. Let me, I like to illustrate it this way. So let's say God's calling you to do some things and, and you're over here and you got, you know, the center block and let's just say right here on the center block, I, I need validation, relationships, maybe I'm a partner, people, and you see other things over here and, and you're like, hey, self-image, affection, and, and you're like, hey, God, I want to follow you. God, I want to I do what you're calling me to do, but you're like, all right, God, I'm coming, and, and like, God, like, God's saying, like, let's go, let's, let's go meet those people over there. Like, ah, I can't really, like, I still want to be connected to these things. 
See, fasting connects us to God, disconnects us from what this world calls stuff and and junk and culture that kind of misguides us, misleads us. And so we're like, God, like, I'm emotions. Like, like, God, I need my feelings fulfilled. And and so we're like, we want to go get our feelings fulfilled and we want to live life outside of his parameters and do things that aren't pleasing to him. But yet over here, we want to say, God, I want to connect with you, man. God, I need you to do something in my life. But we can't be all that God wants us to be if we're still staying connected to things that are holding us back. So if you want to be connected to God, I would encourage you, hey, take a moment. What do you need to fast? What do you need to give up? What do you need to say, hey, God, I need you to do what only you can do in my life. See, we see problems in life, and we see solutions can only be identified when we're saying, hey, God, I'm, I'm going to cut out that self-image. Those followers on social media, God, I'm going to give those up. Man, I'm, maybe I need to fast a little, do a social fast and get off people saying, you know, how good I am, how cute my family is, or any of those things. You know, God, maybe I just need to uh, not, not worry about making my own intimacy, creating it at the weekend experience at night and, and looking for that person who wants to come home with me. Maybe it's saying, you know what, I need to get a little more, I need to get a little more connected with God and saying, you know, that relationship I've been living in that's been happening in my life, I need to maybe say, hey, I need to get out of this unhealthy relationship and get in a healthy relationship by first connecting with God. See, I always, I always give this caution to people who ever fast. I said, God will flip your world upside down. You better buckle up, buttercup, because there's some things you're like, whoo, I didn't want that revealed. I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want to have that glaring image in my mind because, hey, there's some things that I got to get connected to God about. And then lastly, the importance of the fast is fasting helps us thrive. Like, I want you to thrive. God wants you to thrive. No one in this church is like, you know what, I hope you just stink and just are like dead weight and that people around you don't like you. Like, no, everybody wants to thrive and everybody here at Faith wants you to thrive. Fasting helps you thrive. Uh, You know, fasting is so important in scripture. It's not mentioned just five times, not mentioned just 20 times. It's mentioned over 70 times throughout scripture text. So what's that say to us? Pretty important, right? pretty important for our relationship with the Lord, right? So let me ask you this. Has anybody ever made a bad decision? Like, yeah, let's go, baby, yeah. Like, we all made bad decisions. Fasting helps us thrive in decision-making. Fasting helps us thrive in decision-making. It's important. In the very early church, they would fast. Paul and Barnabas, before they go off into their missionary journey in, in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it says, One day those men, the, these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, so they're praising God. So that's why I wanted to carry it out all the way through the 28th. I want us to have a Sunday where we're praising God and we're fasting to be like, Well, God, do what only you can do. Fasting while they worship. The Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. But then I love this. They get what they're called to do. And then in verse 3 of chapter 13, it says, So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So they get a decision, they know what to do, and then they still fasted and prayed. 
two of 70 times we see it in scripture, fasting, the importance of it in our life. But you and I know that if you could rewind the clock a little bit and think about some of the bad decisions you make, we'd be like, yep, I wish I would have done something a little bit different. I wish I would have thrived or wish I would have fasted and thrived in that decision making process. Um, Dan and Chip Heath, they, they label there's four villains of decision making. Four villains of decision making. You can check them out right here. They, they describe it, they say a bunch of studies and their authors. And villain one, when it comes to making bad decisions, is this narrow framing. It's like you can only see things your way. So you have like almost like tunnel vision, in other words. Villain two, confirmation bias, you know, it's like AKA the news. You go find a stat, you go find a story. It might be one out of a million, but if it's that one and it supports you, you like it, sign me up. That can impact our decision-making. Next villain is this, short-term emotion. Anybody ever made a decision out of some bad emotion? You're like, why'd I do that? Like, why'd that happen to me, right? And like they say, these are the four villains. And the last one is this, overconfidence. You're like, yeah, walk in, you're like, I got it. And then you're like, whoop, nope, don't got it right now. Like four villains of decision-making. So if these are the four villains that impact us in our decision-making, God wants us to thrive in decision-making. You know what's a big piece of that? Fasting. So this is what fasting does when it, we compare it to those four villains. And check out this other graphic, and you can see, look, narrow framing. So rather than thinking just me, you're saying, I'm going to fast for a period of time, and I'm going to say, hey, God, give me your perspective. That's huge when it comes to confirmation bias. God has an interesting way that when you fast, he, He's not going to give you what you necessarily want to know. He's going to say, hey, this is what you need to know. Here's who you need to support you. Ever have a good friend tell you some truth you didn't want to hear? But then you have friends over here that, hey, man, they think you're a million bucks and a couple slices of bread, right? And you're like, man, I wish I would have listened to that one friend that was truthful with me. Short-term emotion, you know, fasting causes us to pause. So I'm not going to react in this emotion in my life. I'm going I'm to pause. I'm just going to let God do his thing. And then we'll see overconfidence. Nothing that's more humbling when you open up the fridge and you're like, man, I'm fasting that Dr. Pepper. And you're like, dude, I want that Dr. Pepper. And it's like, so is that Dr. Pepper or maybe beer or maybe whatever substance have that much control over your life? When you look at it that way, you're like, no. <laughs> like, you get frustrated a little bit. That's why fasting is a huge part of decision making. Also, fasting helps us thrive in discipline. Anybody ever struggle a little bit with discipline? I think we all kind of can connect there. Paul would go through seasons and times and he would fast and discipline would also be earmarked by Paul because of fasting. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty seven, In weariness and toil and sleeplessness often and hunger and thirst and fasting often. So no matter what he went through, he fasted. Helped him to remain disciplined in cold and nakedness. Vital for him. Huge for him. So I want to come back to this, and these two big things I want you to understand is one, whatever we starve dies. 
Whatever you want to omit from your life dies. Whatever you feed thrives. If you want a relationship with God to be soaring, you've got to feed that relationship with God. How do we know Jesus? And, uh, I'm going to paraphrase Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. The disciples come over, John Baptist's disciples, they come over, and they ask Jesus, hey, why do your disciples not fast the way we have? And, and Jesus basically sums up and says, well, they don't have to fast because I'm not apart from them. Like, he's, Jesus was physically with his disciples, so they need to fast. But now Jesus is physically away from us, sitting at the right hand of God, and so there's a point that Jesus leans in, and whenever Jesus does leave, that we need to fast, so we stay connected, so we find freedom, and so that we can thrive. And the more we say, hey, I'm gonna cut out this stuff over here, and I'm gonna lean into God and say, God, just do what only you can do. Like, I, like shape me, mold me. I don't wanna be ruled and reigned by my physical cravings and body. I wanna be ruled and reigned by your glorious side of yourself, the, the love, the goodness, the graciousness of you, your work of Jesus on the cross. God, that's what I want to be reigned over with. So I got two questions I want to leave with you today. What will you starve? What will you feed? I want you to take that home. Maybe it's a conversation you have with a loved one. Hey, what do you need to starve? Like, what, what are some things you need to give up so you can anchor in and lean in and say, Hey, God, I want you to do what only you can do. What do you need to feed? Maybe it's personal prayer time. Maybe it's more study. Maybe it's church commitment. Maybe it's uh, some other areas in life. Maybe it's uh, you need to feed family time. Maybe you need to feed being intentional, putting down devices, turning off the TV at night. And you need to feed healthy sides of life in that component. See, we're coming in 21 days of prayer and fasting. I believe this. God is going to do something even greater in 2024 than we're expecting. And here we are, all we are, people, we're humble, saying, God, do what only you can do. God, we're open-handed right now. Do what only you can do. God, we give you our lives. Do what only you can do. God, I want to feed off your truth, off your word, off your life you give. Let me starve this other stuff. So today I want to pray for two groups of people. First one is this. We want to always, anytime we close out a message, anytime we speak, is we want to make sure you know who Jesus can be in your life. The Lord, leader, savior of your life. That Jesus is full of grace, love, mercy. That he was God that came down in humanity, died on the cross for us. And now rose from the grave and now is the majestic Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And we declare that. We just came out of the Christmas season where we celebrate that. And if you want to know Jesus as your Lord and leader of your life, that's your first step. If you're searching and saying, I don't know what to do next, I'm saying Jesus is your first step. And here in just a moment, we'll have our prayer team come down. They would love to stand with you, pray with you, help you know what it means to follow Jesus. Secondly, I also want to pray for those individuals. I mean, you've been on that spiritual milk diet. You're just kind of going through the motions. You're kind of like, hey, I get it. Sometimes even the older we get, we kind of just go through the motions. Sometimes we're like, oh, I don't really, God can't do much this year. Like my life's kind of like past me. Or maybe you're like, hey, no, I need to get right with the Lord right now. 
And I want God to do even more and believe God can do even more. I want to be ready for more. Hey, I want to invite you in to get off that spiritual milk diet and say, God, give me some depth right now. Let's pray. God, we worship you and we praise you. First and foremost, we were created to adore you, to love you, and we say thank you. God, for those making a decision right now to follow you and called you the Lord and leader of their lives, Lord, we pray that you give them the boldness, the encouragement to take that next step, to step out in faith, to, to not worry, not worried about what they're connected to, some image or anything like that, but to call you God through your son Jesus. Lord, may they experience Jesus in a very radical way. Lord, we're praying that you just lead them in a very real way. May your spirit reign on them right now. And God, for those in this place right now who have kind of been just caught up doing some, just going through the motions of life, we pray specifically for those individuals. In these next 21 days, take the relationship to a new level. Bring depth in that relationship with you. God, we give you today. We give you the days to come. Jesus, in your great name, we all say. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.